Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Undead Walking Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. Hey everyone, we're back with another edition of the Undead Walking Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and this week we have a very special podcast. Um, it's a big week in terms of the Walking Dead universe. We're approaching the mid-season finale, the first mid-season finale of The Walking Dead Season 11. And we also got to experience the season premiere of The Walking Dead World Beyond on Sunday. And uh, that means that our Sunday nights are, are a little full, so I may end up changing the format a little bit with the podcast to uh, just give people a little more space, do them on Mondays. But it's actually Tuesday, and I apologize for that. But I, I promise it's worthwhile because I have two really exciting interviews uh, to share with you, and uh, they are World Beyond based. So I was able to talk with uh, showrunner Matt Negretti and one of the stars, Aaliyah Royale, who plays Iris. And uh, so I have those interviews for you in this podcast. So hang on, uh, they'll be coming up in just a little bit. Um, just by way of housekeeping, um, some of the things that we need to obviously talk about this week, uh, The Walking Dead 1107, Promises Broken. Um, big episode, right? It's uh, setting up the mid-season finale. The pacing on this episode, I will say, uh, and I wrote about this in my review, but one of the things that's that's very striking is that this episode is a lot different from the rest of the episodes, and it's particularly different from last week's episode on the inside with um, Lauren Ridloff and uh, Kevin Carroll. That, that episode was just off the charts in terms of, of horror and classic Walking Dead chills and thrills. So this episode was kind of a departure from that, and you definitely felt it right away. One of the things that, uh, you know, one of the things that I feel is challenging in season 11, and I've been worried about this for a while, is that there's so many stories that need to be wrapped up in this season. And yes, there are 24 episodes, and (laughs) like it or not, we're almost through the first eight Um, so, you know, we have the equivalent of a full season behind or ahead of us still, but the challenge is, is really making sure that we're using these episodes to the maximum extent. And they certainly did that. I I will say this, the, the Walking Dead 1107 was packed full of stuff. There were three big stories in this episode and, uh, you know, there was just, there was a lot going on. But what bothers me about that is that when you have so much going on in an episode, it really makes it hard to focus on any one of those stories without kind of neglecting the others. So, you know, so far we really haven't spent, you know, aside from the episodes, uh, the, the pandemic episodes at the start of the year, 
we really haven't spent a whole episode in the Commonwealth. We've been seeing bits and pieces. And, you know, that might be okay, but, you know, some would argue that that's the more compelling story right now. Um, You know, Maggie's group has been looking for food for seven episodes now, and they still haven't gotten to it. And, uh, you know, there's some tension there, and the the tension with Negan has been boiling over, and, and now we're kind of closer to resolution with that. But it's been going since the beginning of the season, and, and it's not to say that that's a bad thing. It's not to say that the journey isn't worth it and seeing the interplay between the two characters isn't worth it. But the challenge is, is that we're having, we're, we're getting to a point where we need to, to see more resolution and spending all of that time there while also watching Daryl with the Reapers, watching them. You know, it's it's uh, it's starting to feel a little played out, and uh, and you know, I admit it. It doesn't mean the stories are are not good; they're good stories. It's just, you know, it, it's really hard when you have so much packed into an episode. This is why, honestly, and and you all know that I'm a big fan of Fear the Walking Dead. This is why I love those anthology episodes because you can just focus on one story and tell it, and not worry about what's going on elsewhere. You can have the vines kind of weaving through the story, but you don't have to worry about everything else. And I think that's, there's something to that. It, it really lends to the way that they can craft stories in a way that makes it, I don't know, it just makes it, it it's a lot easier to watch. It's more palatable. Um, otherwise you get, it just feels watered down, you know, and, 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 I want to see more from all of these stories, and, and we just haven't been able to do that. So, you know, when you get a huge cast the way The Walking Dead has, you know, especially in season 11, it's it's as big as it's ever been. And, and a lot of stories are kind of getting kicked to the side, you know, where you have, you know, one person pop up and say a line, and then you don't see them for three episodes. And that's kind of a bummer, because we're not going to see them, you know. I mean, we, don't, we still don't even know what Alden's doing in that, that church. He's just been chilling there for what, three, four episodes now? He may not even be alive at this point. So hopefully we get to a point where we can kind of speed things up. And I, I really, I feel like it's coming. And, you know, I'm, this isn't a critique because I understand it. I understand why it's, it, it is the way it is. I would just like to see a little bit more, a little bit more and a little bit more focus coming up in, you know, hopefully in the mid-season finale. I haven't watched it yet. Um, it is Tuesday, and this Sunday is when the mid-season finale airs, so I've had my screener for a week, and I still haven't watched it. I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm kind of telling you I haven't watched it, because I just, it's really hard with the way these episodes are set up, and everybody's watching the episodes on AMC+, Plus. so I've just been kind of playing by the old system, and I, I just watch the week of. Um, so I'm going to be watching that tonight, because we're going to be doing a, a big podcast, a big mid-season finale podcast uh this week and it's going to be great and before we jump into world beyond stuff i just want to tease that it's it's really worth listening to it's going to have a big panel of all of our favorite uh people who have joined us over the course of the season um so we're going to have johnny odell we're going to have jeffrey cop we're going to have adam b carlson um julian cannon's going to pop in he's going to be over at new york comic-con and he said he would pop in um, Renee Hansen will be there. So it's going to be a little bit of everything and just kind of an opportunity to decompress and talk about the episode as we gear up for more World Beyond and the season seven premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, I will let you know. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be out on Sunday, but I might push it to Monday just because there's a lot going on on Sundays now with uh, 
you know, two shows in, in Talking Dead. So we'll see. But I don't quote me on that. Uh, but moving forward, let's uh, let's talk about World Beyond a little bit. It's uh, it's here. It's out. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the show. I really think that they're doing really exciting things in terms of advancing the story within the Walking Dead universe. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and I know that a lot of people were kind of bummed out and disappointed by the first season. I really saw that as a a canvas that was being painted, and I think everything is is the foundation is set up. And now it's an opportunity for us to really take the time in season two to see what that's all going to mean. What did, what did all of this mean? Why were we here? What are we doing here? Um, and as you see in the episode, you know, there's, there's a lot of secrets. The CRM is, is holding on to a lot of secrets. So it's really interesting to watch that and watch how that all plays out because they are, they're keeping secrets even from each other. And, you know, Elizabeth and, and, uh, Huck, whose real name is Jennifer, I mean, they're mother and daughter, and, and she's keeping secrets from her daughter. I mean, it's it's really interesting to see. Um, Hope went on a journey and, you know, kind of got a, a better understanding of how hard it is to survive on her own. And Iris, I, I really have to say that, you know, it's it's such a quick transition from season one to season two. It wasn't a time jump. It was it was immediate, and so she hasn't had a lot of time to really decompress from all of this information. But right now, she knows more than her sister knows about what really happened uh, to Campus Colony and to Omaha. So, um, you know, it, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting story being told. And that brings me to my interviews with, uh, with Matt Negretti and Aaliyah Royale. I'm going to start with the conversation that I had with Matt Negretti. And we really got into, you know, how the characters have developed, you know, even in this short period of time. And, um, you know, I was really curious to know more about the CRM and how, you know, how much can we really trust? You know, can we trust that they're telling us the truth? Can we take Elizabeth at, at face value or is, you know, is she hiding things? Um, and, and he really, I mean, he was very, very, um, very thoughtful about his responses and very insightful. He gave some really good information. So I think that is really going to be um, really information, informative, I should say, uh, for fans. And it kind of paints a picture of what's going on. Um, Aaliyah is just, she's so much fun to talk to because she's, you know, and, and all credit to this cast. I mean, just, just think about it. This cast never got to go to Comic-Con. This cast never got to go and, and experience the fans. They're already done. They've been wrapped f with filming for months now, and now they're back trying to promote the show, and, and I feel for them. So I am really excited every time I get to talk with the cast and really get to get into their thinking because we didn't get to have these conversations with them. So um, you know, it's, it's really fun to be able to do that. Aaliyah has some really good insight on Iris's state of mind right now, where she is and, um, you know, how that's going to play out over the course of the season. I really love how she, uh, she's really leaning into Iris, you know, taking risks and doing her own thing. And, and we see that at the end of the episode when she, when she kills that soldier. I mean, that's a huge moment for Iris because that is not an empty, that is a real person. And she just killed that person. And now she has to kind of, you know, process what that means for her. So very exciting stuff. Um, so we're going to start with this interview with Matt Negretti. And uh, and then from there, we'll go into the interview with Aaliyah Royale. So enjoy. 
I know when we talked last season, I absolutely like, I love the fact that you're playing in the biggest and most interesting sandbox of the entire Walking Dead universe. You're building the future with so many different elements. And it's just so much fun to see how not much time has passed from the, the finale to the premiere, but so much has been revealed. I mean, yeah. that must be really hard to, to work with, you know, such kind of tight constraints. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll say it's it's been a challenge. Like, you know, we always knew this was gonna be a close-ended story and it just kind of hit me as I was, you know, working with the writers and we were breaking the second season. We have 10 episodes to wrap up all this story and there's just so much to get to. And, you know, season one was really about, you know, the characters in this journey and about, you know, what's gonna happen when they get where they're going. And so now they've gotten there, um, it's really about like fulfilling the promise of all these worlds. You know, we kind of hinted at, you know, what is the military up to? What are they doing and how are they doing it? Um, and on top of that, it's learning more about, you know, what the uh, the girl's father is doing and, and, and everything um, at the research facility where he is. And, you know, we've hinted at a lot of those things, but um, it's been so awesome just being able to explore these worlds. And it's so exciting because we just haven't seen anything um, in the whole universe, uh, uh, like this research facility, like the CRM, um, um, and to be able to kind of pull back the curtain. And we're going to keep doing that all, all season, just to reveal more and more about what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, it's been really exciting. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I think what's really interesting too, and, and as someone who's worked on The Walking Dead for so long, like you understand the, you know, there's usually a little bit of a gap between between seasons or, you know, between passages of time. And so in this case, you know, when you want to, usually you talk about growth, where have the characters gone and, you know, between seasons. And in this case, it's been literally a blink of an eye, Yeah. but their worlds have been turned upside down, you know, for Hope and Iris. They've, not much time has passed since they've been separated, but they both received some really shocking information with what happened to Omaha and with what happened mm -hmm. to Campus Community. So yeah. while you may not see massive, growth in the sense of you know character development everything's changed for every single one of these characters in a matter of minutes and so we're, yeah. we're like seeing it real time in this in the season premiere yeah that's the thing i'll say is like just the revelation um especially from iris and felix's side about what happened to the, the campus colony i mean that's a huge thing just to learn that you know they always knew that they were going to leave and who knows if we're going to make it back or what's going to happen but to know that you know, suddenly they have no home to go back to. And, you know, on Iris and on, actually on Iris's side to realize that like, whoa, like is the serum potentially responsible for this? Like that's a huge thing. And and that really is just sort of life changing information. And, and, you know, for Iris, she always had her sister to go through these things with and same thing with Hope, you know, and Hope is getting a slightly different story from Elizabeth. It's like, she's learning about, um, the campus colony being gone, but the way Elizabeth is telling it, it's just like the CRM did everything they could to help them. Um, but but at the same time, there's nothing they can do and, and it's just gone. And so I think these characters in a lot of ways have never felt so alone. Um, and so it's really the idea of, you know, now that you're alone with yourself, with every bit of security kind of stripped away, like who are you in that moment and what choices do you make? Um, and I really think for the two sisters, like that, that that's what this episode um, is about for them. 
And, um, and as we can see, they kind of make different choices where one is uh, essentially trying to attack the CRM in a way, and the other one uh, is kind of going to them uh, pseudo-voluntarily. Um, uh, and, and so it's just interesting that like their choices are very different and maybe they're different because they're so apart, uh, at least geographically. Uh, and so I, I just sort of love playing with um, that, that parallel. Yeah, no, and, and I think one of the, the most powerful, you know, in, in terms of starting the episode out, I mean, the moment that I just loved is when is when Iris has these tears in her eyes and she just says, why would they lie? Mm -hmm. And that's so, you know, that that's so telling because she's, it's, it's easy to forget how old she is, but that she's never really experienced this. I mean, if, if mm -hmm. you know, Judith, let's say on The Walking Dead were to say, you know, why did they lie? Like, I don't even think she'd ask that question. I don't mm -hmm. even think that would be in Judith's vocabulary or Charlie yeah. on The Walking Dead. It's so uh, unique to this show because she's still sorting out that there are people in the world who would do this. And mm -hmm. from her perspective, it just sends everything crashing down. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also a testament to how much she's changed, um, you know, because she went from in the pilot, the beginning of the pilot anyway, she was like, yay, CRM, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and it was Hope who was the one who was just like, you know, screw them. Um, I'm going to flip off Elizabeth from behind the bus. Uh, and, you know, uh, and Iris went through this change in the pilot. And I think that she um, has become tougher, uh, at least definitely physically uh, in, um, uh, through the course of season one into season two, and I think just emotionally too. Uh, I think being exposed to the world she has, she's kind of been forced to to grow up, and I think she's coming into her own in a way and making these choices that are tough choices that are, you know, as we see, a, a, a very violent choice at the end there. Um, but it's one that you know she feels like she no ha she has no choice. Uh, so much has been taken from her um at the end and you know she's willing to do whatever it takes to get her sister and her father back so that's what she's willing to do but yeah I do think that's a great point is like she's at this age where you know she is a, she's a teenager um and she's feeling things out just like everybody else but at the same time it, it's it, it's forcing her to ask these 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 hard questions and you know do the hard thing as a result of of at least answering those questions in her own in her own head mm -hmm. you know one of the things that throughout the episode, I kept kind of reminding myself, and as I watched the second episode, which, you know, we're not going to talk about, but what I think is really fascinating is how hard it is to determine where the truth is with the CRM. And, and you've, you've done that so masterfully because it's, it's really hard to untangle where the motivation yeah. is, you know, and, and, and motivation is such an interesting thing in this universe anyway, because it's all a matter of perspective, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're on a different side, then you may be perceived as the, the bad guy, but you may actually think you're the good guy. You know, it's all perception. But could you talk a little bit about, you know, because because I, I love, first of all, I love Julia Armand. She is just so perfect. Oh yeah, she's role. so great. And Elizabeth is such a great character because I mean, she she's so convincing, but she's also just so deceptive. And it's so mm -hmm. hard to kind of unravel the truth, even when she might, I mean, it, you can't tell if she's telling the truth. It's impossible. Yeah, and, and, and because she's so good. I mean, and, and it's funny. I had long talks with Julia before we shot that scene. It was me, uh, me and her, and um, and Lauren Iaconelli, who's our producing director, and she she directed that episode. But we had these long conversations about what was true in that scene and what was not true. Um, 
And the great thing about um, uh, about Julia is she's such a good actor. Like just watching her, it's like it's impossible to tell. And had we not seen certain scenes, um, you know, the teaser, for example, had we not seen that, had we not seen certain scenes from season one, I would be inclined to believe her. It's like she's so convincing, um, and that's definitely by design. And and I do think that, you know, we'll learn more about why exactly she's doing the horrible thing she's doing and why she feels justified in doing it But uh, later on. But, um, but you know, what I can say is that, that, you know, she's definitely the hero of her own story. Um, you know, we saw her shed a tear last season. You know, there's that shot in her apartment when she's looking at these battle plans and we see a teardrop, but she's, she's alone. And that's why she allows herself that moment. Um, so she's not this cold, unfeeling person, but... You know, she is someone who uh, is willing to do the very hard thing for what she thinks is ultimately going to be the right thing, um, regardless of how horrible it seems or feels in the moment. And, you know, she feels the things she does very deeply. But again, she has a justification for it um, in her head. And we're going to learn more about what that is uh, later on, which I'm excited for people to find out about. But um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was amazing to kind of watch her uh, perform that scene uh it was it took all day on that rooftop and and um she had so much dialogue it was like five pages like almost a five-page monologue uh um but she did set, such a great job with it and you know no one else could, could probably could pull that off but but you know julia armand i was like she can do all the things uh so so uh yeah i'm so impressed with, with what she did oh i love it so it's safe to say that we can't really take her at face value for much of anything um, that's a good question. Uh, probably not at face value, but I, I think that no matter what she says, uh, I might, I might end up regretting what I'm about to say, but I do think for her, she, there, there is truth in what she says. It's just about how she spins it and not all of it's necessarily going to be true. Um, but, uh, and if she's not telling you the truth, she has a very good reason for why she feels like she can't tell you. Um, I don't think she lies for the sake of lying, but I just think she's, she's playing chess, um, and she's making a decision who she can trust with what information at any given time. So, so I think that kind of, kind of sums up where she's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that makes perfect sense because you can see it. You can see that it's, it's all so calculated and everybody, I mean, everybody in her world, I mean, it, there, there is a, a degree of sympathy that you have to have for her character because everyone in her world is a pawn everyone's disposable even her daughter yeah yeah and even you know it's it's a tough thing and I don't want to give too much away but um you know uh, she loves her daughter very much and there are things that she's obviously not talking to her daughter about um it doesn't mean that she doesn't want to tell her but again I think for her it kind of comes down to what is the smart thing to do um in the moment and you know should she tell her daughter certain things should she hold back and, you know, as we see that, you know, she doesn't tell her daughter the, the whole truth about, about um, what happened uh, in Omaha. Um, but at the same time, we also see her daughter intentionally hold back some truths to her mother. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, so I think the question then becomes, uh, how much does the, does the other suspect, uh, the other person is, is telling them the truth or lying to them? Um, and because uh, I think they all have the reasons and they both, I think, love each other. Uh, but um, 
there's a lot yet to be revealed between them and about the sort of the greater plans in general. So that's that's all to come. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited for people to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I just just as one last question, I think it's so interesting how Hope and and Jennifer and then Iris and Felix have both kind of come to the conclusion that the game has changed mm -hmm. and they're ready to take on these challenges in new ways for each, you know, with each group. And I think that it's, it, and I'm wondering how, um, you know, are, are they, are they being open with each other? Would you say in those moments? I mean, are, are they, because they're, it, it seems like they're still holding back. Like none of them are still being open with each other, but they all know that something has to change. Yeah, I think I think they're each kind of working through their own thing. I don't think they're intentionally holding stuff back, but um, you know, the everything that's happened, there's so much has happened in such a short amount of time that I think they're still processing it. Um, you know, and I think that Felix is someone who has prided himself for a long time on on keeping people safe. And you know, he was the head of security at the campus colony. He's just found out that everyone he was assigned to protect is dead. He was, he promised Leo he'd keep his daughter safe um, and they're in this precarious position. He, he, he doesn't even know if Hope is alive or dead, if she got to Leo okay, she, he has no idea. So I think that he's kind of working through those feelings, um, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, Iris is not used to being without her sister. She's trying to figure out things on her own um, and she doesn't have Hope to kind of bounce things off of and someone to maybe keep her in check. And so I think she's feeling through all those things as well. So um, yeah, everyone is like a fish out of water, I think in their own way. And they're all just trying to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Um, but again, I think that that makes for interesting drama and interesting choices. And, and um, yeah, I think it's only hopefully gonna get more, even more interesting from, from here on out. Oh, I can only imagine. And hopefully we'll get to chat again because you know me, I have so many different questions and I cannot, I, I can't wait to see what you've done. So I thank you for taking the time today, but congratulations because I'm excited about this. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been, it's been so great. And yeah, I just, I, um, yeah, definitely. I'm excited that you're excited and uh, yeah, I can't wait for more stuff to air so we can talk about more stuff. All right, so that was Matt Negretti, the showrunner for The Walking Dead World Beyond, talking about the season premiere episode. And uh, now we're going to jump right over and, and go straight into my interview with Aaliyah Royale. So enjoy this one. Oh my God, you look amazing, by the way. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> Thank you. I tried to, to, to put on my best for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, but... I mean, it's so funny because when I met you, the first time I met you, it was on set and you were dirty and, you know, going through lots of stuff. So it's like every time I see anybody who's not, you know, it, it, it's such a weird thing because I know you from being in the middle of the apocalypse, not, you know. Right. <laughs> I often forget what I look like outside of my character wardrobe, especially like going to set. I'm usually in sweatpants and like a sports bra, so I don't even dress well outside of set. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting not being covered in glycerin and fake sweat and fake blood. Um, I often forget what I look like, too. <laughs> Well, you look amazing and it's so good to see you because it's, it has been, it's been forever. And it just, it's so crazy to think that this journey has been going on as long as it has. And it's just, and it's just getting started again. Yeah, I, um, woo, season one was 
was wonderful uh, and season two is wild. So um, it's very interesting uh, how these how these two seasons have come together. Um, I'm, I'm so happy with the way season two turned out. Um, I'm very excited for everyone to see it. What's so striking to me is that there that moment when Will tells Felix and Iris what happened, it changes everything. And so there is growth because now everything you thought was true and thought to be true is gone everything's gone right uh it's it's there's no time jump it's a it's a direct cut for sure um and i i remember at the end at the end of season one iris is uh she's she's lost her sister now um but she has this 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 piece of it's gonna work out uh Mm -hmm. because me and and my sister and I we're gonna we're gonna figure it out we're gonna get back together and we're gonna we're gonna make things happen (sighs) season two episode one starts and Iris is given this information that completely rocks her faith um especially knowing that these people have her sister Mm -hmm. uh there's there's no longer this um this peace there's the just anger sadness and there's also this uh there's the survivor's guilt um because the only reason that they didn't have the same faith uh that uh felix and and iris and and all of their friends didn't have the same fate is is because they left um so that could have been them um and iris feels very guilty for that so yeah she goes out and, and she seeks a little bit of trouble um and there's just someone has to pay right you know, one of the, the most powerful moments, I was talking to Matt Negretti about this the other day, and then one of the most powerful moments, I think, of the entire series, you know, obviously we haven't seen the rest of season two, but, you know, people talk about, and we've talked about, you know, how different Iris and Hope's journey is compared to the rest of the universe, because they've been sheltered for so long. So their perception of the way things are and right and wrong is so different than anyone else who's been 10 years in the apocalypse because of how all of this happened. So that moment when you have those tears in your eyes and you say, you know, why did they lie? You know, why did they lie to us? Like, that's such a powerful moment because it's that, it's the revelation realization that no no one can be trusted. You know, even people that you thought could trust, you could trust, even, you know, they've, they've taken your sister, but they've also, just destroyed everything like how can you trust people and it's it's such a powerful powerful and pivotal moment I think for your character and just for the show in general to to have that you know that that the weight of that yeah absolutely uh you know season one when Iris turns to Elizabeth and she says uh I don't trust you uh you know you you think you're going up against a few bad apples a few bad seeds in this uh in this organization and then you realize no the whole organization is damned <laughs> like like their entire purpose uh is this whole greater good or common good nonsense that's it, it, it's just someone is going to get hurt uh because that that never applies to really the majority of people ever does it ever um and there's obviously an agenda that's being pushed um so where where, she, where i was thought you know she just needed to, to get past a, a few people like Elizabeth and, and whoever else may come up to get to her father and 
and and get the world back on track. Uh, that's not that's not that's not the case. And realizing that it's actually an entire entity, that that um that's her enemy. Uh, it's a, it's it's very difficult for her. And and that sadness of just there was nothing I could do to stop this is 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 very real and um, very heartbreaking for Iris. It's a again it, it really does flip a switch in her. And you can you can absolutely see that. And I think one of the it's it's really interesting that it's Felix and Iris together. And I and I love when I love all of your scenes, Nico. It's just you know and, and Jelani like you know now now having Jelani there, but but you and Nico have this really great connection and. Iris and and um, and Felix have that connection too, and I think it's so interesting because you're both going through this this process of of the survivor's guilt, as you say. So when you know at the end of the episode, when you're like, you know, the rules have changed, like we have to change too. Like it's so powerful because this is someone who spent the entirety of you know almost the entire first season trying to convince you that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. So it's it's in a way it's like vindication. Uh, Felix was most certainly in uh, Big Brother mode all of season one, pretty much, uh, and uh, and 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 doing what he thought was best for for the girls and and, and for these newfound friends of of Elton and Silas. Um, he's seen just as much damage as Iris has seen. They they're going through this moment together, especially when Jelani's character Will is is giving you know spilling the tea on the situation um they're they're receiving that together and and they're going through that devastation together so i think um i think felix is, is just exhausted and it's just like a, like like there's more um but iris is like you know if there's this game that they want us to play i think we should play it and mm -hmm. and they they just have that agreement um I'm glad that they have that relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really interesting too that that Iris is in this like we have to go now mode. Like she's ready. She doesn't want to wait. Um, you know, for better or for worse, like she's not waiting around to find out what happens. Like she wants to go right now. And that leads to the soldier, which is it's such an interesting situation because for Iris, you know, it, killing empties is such an interesting dilemma still yeah, like it's still so new that it's hard enough to kill an empty let alone a real person yeah i uh, i i'd say iris almost finds it much easier to kill a person than, than an empty uh especially a person that that she feels has done wrong and that should they be left alive will only continue to do wrong mm -hmm. uh to uh, she's got this got this black or white right or wrong complex at that moment whereas um just uh going back to uh like the school gym uh episode episode four of season one when uh iris was envious of of this girl that that she saw in the yearbook and and, and later saw her uh, as she was turned it, it's just this uh this moment where she was just I don't know the life that this person lived, but I, I hope that it was a good one. Whereas she knows anybody who's wearing this black uniform, you're wrong. Uh, and so it's interesting how she how she deals with uh, those that have turned versus those that are very living, but just 
in the wrong uniform. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to it was fun to play and fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And what you just said makes me wonder, you know, because I was thinking about the the kind of the dream visions that she was having, you know, where she was ripping the face off of the, uh, you know, the, the the empty, but it ended up being, you know, the mask of this person, of uh, of one of the soldiers. But do you think in her mind, like that's, you know, what's what's that dream symbolic of for Iris? Because it, you know, clearly it's weighing heavily, so heavily on her, to be so present in everything that she's doing. Uh, right. Well, the the story is that uh, it was was it it was walkers or it was empties who who took over the campus colony and and, and it's like that dream for her is like no I don't I don't think so uh, I'm not going to take that as the end all be all uh, answer for what happened there thousands of people just dead um, yes walkers are are by all means a threat. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't know. She feels like they had a little bit of help. Uh, and so when she's tearing off the walker's face and, and she sees that black helmet underneath the, for her, it, it's, it's her subconscious saying, you, you know, who's really behind this, uh, whether or not that's true, um, will obviously be revealed and, and Iris will have to adapt, uh, based on that information. But at this current moment, uh, she's decided in her dream state and now that she's awake uh, that they are enemy number one and she will take no prisoners. Oh, I love it. I love it. How does that change? You know, because Iris is so smart, you know, both Hope and Iris are very, very smart young women and they're, you know, they're, they're decoding messages and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're so brilliant, but there's also still that, you know, the element that they are young people. So how does this, you know, obviously we're, we're not going to get into anything beyond this first episode, but like, how does that change the mindset for someone who is so intelligent and so smart to finally have the confirmation that that inkling that she had when she said to Elizabeth, I don't trust you, to find out that, you know, her instincts were right, they're probably worse than she can even imagine, but she knows enough to know that they're bad enough, like whatever it is, it's bad enough. How does that change your character as we look ahead to, you know, like from this moment when she says the game's changed, the rules have changed, how does that change? Uh, well, again, uh, there's just that absolute devastation and uh, her heart breaks. Uh, I'd say Iris starts off season two very heartbroken. Um, and again, she has this survivor's guilt because um, it, I don't know, she should have been there. Uh, there was nothing she could do and she, and she couldn't stop it. Uh, there's all, all these emotions. And I think when you're in that heartbroken place, you either go through it and, and you learn a lot about yourself and, and you grow out of the heartbreak. However, Iris chose not to do that. She chose to be heartbroken and immediately seek revenge. <laughs> and I, uh, I appreciate that choice so much because, uh, well, one, it's a lot of fun to play um but uh someone who who is just like i'm gonna get out my feelings i'm not gonna sit in this place uh they've clearly brought the game to me and i'm gonna play it uh they think that they've set these rules and these boundaries for me i'm going to show them that they have not um and you still have my 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 father and my sister like like there's the, I, she doesn't care about burning bridges. She doesn't care about the safety of, of this or that. Uh, Iris is, she's up for blood. 
Um, and, uh, and I, I am fully with her along that ride. I love it. I love it. Just one last quick question. You kind of touched on this already, but what are you enjoying more or what did you enjoy more playing season two, episode one, Iris or season one, episode one, Iris? Oh, don't you dare do that to me. (laughs) Um, I love episode one of season one. Just Iris in a therapy session is my favorite thing in the world. And then losing her therapist in the same episode. I was just like, that's bold and heartbreaking. Um, and, and again, season one, she gets heartbroken because that death was obviously so, that's that's the person who takes care of your mental health for you, with you. Um, that person is gone and she goes on this journey of finding herself. So she did it, you know, probably the right way, season one. Season two, uh, when her heart breaks, she no longer needs to find herself. She's made an executive decision. So I... um, I love a I love a woman who's self aware, so I love that about season one. But damn it, I love a woman who um, love a woman who loves risk. I love a uh, I love a woman without fear, and I love a woman who understands that there will most likely be consequences to her actions, but does it anyway. I love it. Aaliyah, congratulations on season two. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I cannot wait to see what's coming because it's Ah, brilliant so so far. (laughs) Thank you so much. I have to talk again. All right. I can't say enough about Matt Negretti and Aaliyah Royale. And and I really hope that we get to see more from from both of them um, as the Walking Dead universe continues to expand beyond World Beyond. Um, you know, it was designed to be a two season show and, and we're in season two. So hopefully we get to see more from them as we, as we go on. So I want to thank them for coming on the podcast and chatting with me and, uh, yeah, we'll have more, uh, more content coming up this week and more interviews. I'm talking with the showrunners from Fear the Walking Dead and the cast, and there's, uh, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. So, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned to my my Twitter account because that's where I, I usually do announcements on stuff that that I'm working on. Um, that's at Sarah Beth Pollock. You can ask also tag at uh, Undead Walking FS. Um, you know, let me know what you want to talk about. If you have burning topics on your on your mind, let me know so we can we can talk about them. Um, so you know, as always, I just want to thank you guys for being on this journey with me and and for sticking through the podcast. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe it so we can keep doing this and bringing more episodes to you uh, throughout the course of The Walking Dead uh, Season 11 and Fear the Walking Dead Season 7 and World Beyond Season 2 and God knows what else is coming because there's a ton of stuff coming. It's a busy time for Walking Dead fans, but it's awesome and I love it. So thank you so much as always and I just want to remind everybody to make sure you stay safe, wash your hands, and watch out for those walkers. Thanks everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.